0: Today on Blue 58, the Packers need some offensive line help, but what kind of help should they be looking for? That's a more complicated question than you might think, especially with how the Packers build their offensive line. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. I'm really excited and interested to see what the Packers do on the offensive line. They do have some needs, but what those needs exactly are and how the Packers are going to fill them is an interesting question with a lot of different potential answers. And the answer to all of them, the the questions, is probably options. The Packers are probably just looking for options on the offensive line. But to figure out what sort of options they need, we need to ask ourselves a few questions about the offensive line. First, what are the Packers going to do at right tackle? Currently, I'd say that's pretty unclear. In theory, Elton Jenkins is probably the best option there. He's a obviously very good left guard, but he's also a very good left tackle and center and probably a very good right tackle too. He can do it all. And if he was completely healthy, I have to think he'd be the odds-on favorite to start at right tackle. But he's not completely healthy. The Packers are at the very least going to need someone for the start of the year. If that is someone other than Elton Jenkins, the most obvious option right now at least is Yash Nyman. The Packers trusted him at left tackle most of the time when David Bakhtiari was out last year. It stands for reason that right tackle is at least within his wheelhouse, something he could theoretically do. He played there in college. It seems like it's a natural fit. But no matter what the Packers do there, whether it's Elton Jenkins by some miracle at the start of the year or Josh Nyman, the Packers are also going to need depth. So who's your backup either way? That person probably, at least in my eyes, is not on the roster right now. So the Packers are going to have to add somebody who is capable, it seems, of playing tackle. On top of that, you have to ask yourself how the Packers are going to handle guard, specifically right guard. I think left guard is pretty well handled. Elton Jenkins could fill that spot if and when he becomes fully healthy again. If not him, John Runyon Jr. seems to have a pretty good lock on the situation. He's turning out to be quite a steal as a former 6th round pick. But other than that, the guard spots are a little bit unsettled. Let's say that. Royce Newman could be an option there. He started or he played more snaps than anyone else on the Packers in the regular season last year. And if you're thinking that he could make a jump from that, I don't think you're entirely crazy, but there's reason to be a little bit skeptical of that too. On top of that, who is behind Royce Newman at right guard? Cole Van Lannon in theory, is an option, but depth is a question mark. If you're looking at actual backups, they may not be on the roster right now. This is why offensive line is almost always a priority backfill situation. You want to be adding more of them so you don't end up in situations where you're really overexposed in a given spot. What if it's not Royce Newman, though? What if he is not the, the answer at right guard, and the Packers want to go with somebody out on, the, on the roster right now. Well, if it's not Cole Van Lannan, let me throw one other name out there for you at right guard. What about Josh Myers? Packers director of college scouting Matt Malaspina said this after the draft, quote, I don't want to pin him to one exact thing, but I know he can play all three. All three interior line positions, that is. Back to the quote, if center is the best spot for him, he'll play center. If it's guard, he'll play guard, end quote. I don't think you can rule it out. I think the Packers would probably prefer that he stay at center, but I don't think they are married to the idea. And something like that might explain why they valued him over Creed Humphrey, which is something we've talked about before, that decision. Going with the consensus, or not going with the consensus top center in the draft last year, who turned out to be very, very good as a rookie. What if the Packers were looking for additional value there and wanted a guy who could play both guard and center? And I don't think you can overlook the fact that the Packers do list Myers as a center slash guard on their official team roster. So if something would happen and a really good center prospect would be available, I don't think you can rule out the Packers saying, okay, we're going to take this guy who's a really good center, and we're going to make Josh Myers a guard, and we're just going to go with the best five guys that we can get, and Myers in that configuration happens to be a guard. I don't think you can rule that out entirely. Then the Packers give themselves depth at both center and guard, because they now have multiple guys who can fill in at multiple spots. So, back to what we said at the top, I think the Packers are looking to give themselves options. Probably a swing tackle, though that's not. That's hardly saying anything. Everybody would love to have a swing tackle. They could plug in on both the left and the right side, but assuredly the Packers are looking for one, as is everyone else. They're probably also looking for a tackle who could bump inside if needed. And they're looking for a versatile interior guy, a guy who could play both center and guard. Lest they get greedy, they're probably hoping they can hit two of those three in the draft. And they've got enough picks to make it happen, and there's a lot of value towards the middle portions of the rounds. And the Packers have hit on a lot of value in the third and fourth and fifth round and beyond on the offensive line. So what are they going to be looking for? Packers have a pretty well-defined type on the offensive line, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time breaking down tiers of players like we do at other positions. For me, this is a simple binary. Either you hit the Packers thresholds or you don't. And if you hit the thresholds, we'll talk about you. If you don't, we won't. Those thresholds, as explored by Justice Mosqueda, originally for Cheesehead TV, and then others elsewhere, basically break down to a 1.8-second split, 10-yard split in the 40-yard dash, a 7.7-second three-cone time or better, and a 4.75-second short shuttle or better. Why those things? Well, first, with the 40-yard dash time, you're looking for explosiveness off the ball. Then you want good lateral agility, which is what the three-cone and short shuttle both measure. If you can do those things, and you've been a reasonably successful offensive lineman in college, chances are you've got a good shot at at succeeding in the pros. If you find guys who can do those things, you got yourself a prospect. And looking at this class as a whole, it is full of those kinds of prospects. Full might be a little bit strong. There's a pretty generous number of guys who meet those thresholds. 13 of them who meet all three. Another 13 who meet some or have incomplete data. Of those 13 guys who meet all the thresholds, I want to talk about eight of them. They were ranked, at least at the time when I compiled the information about them, uh, between 85th and 287th on ESPN's consensus big board ranking. So a pretty wide span of value, but we're not going to talk about the super high-end guys, and we're going to leave a couple of the guys who are super low-end by the wayside. I will at least mention all 13 of the guys who meet the thresholds, just so we've got them covered. But here are the eight guys that I think would meet up with the Packers value wise. Abraham Lucas is the highest ranked out of Washington State, a 6 foot 6 322 pound prospect. You love the movement skills at that size, hitting the thresholds, weighing 322 pounds at 6 feet 6 inches is no mean feat. I also personally like that he is a former two sport college or high school athlete who had to add some bulk to play at the college level. Dane Brugler, in his momentous draft guide says that uh, Lucas was a quote-unquote skinny 260 pounds as a high school senior. I have not seen many skinny 260-pound individuals. That adding bulk phenomenon is a bit of a two-edged sword. I do like guys who have to grow a little bit and have grown in college a little bit and added mass, but guys that kind of have to do it to play at a particular level do scare me a little bit. I would almost rather that they lose a little bit of weight and play at a size that's maybe a little bit more natural to them than try to bulk up when they don't have to. 322 is plenty big. Even at 6'6", you could probably get by at 10 pounds lighter than that if you're a good enough athlete, and it seems like Lucas is. It's not necessarily an issue, but I think it's worth mentioning also that Washington State passed a lot. And as a result, Lucas doesn't have just tons of run-blocking experience. Only about 27% of his career snaps were run-blocks. Washington State likes to throw and throw and throw and throw, so he ended up doing a lot of pass sets, which is fine. Not necessarily a knock against you, but I think it's something worth mentioning. He reminds me of a bit taller J.C. Treader. A move inside might help a guy like him, though it certainly seems like he has the skills to play tackle if you need him to. Maybe he's a swing tackle in the NFL who just isn't necessarily the warhorse you need to play every down every week at one of the tackle spots, but can come in and fill in in a pinch at tackle or guard on either side of the line. Seems like it would fit his athletic profile. Alec Lindstrom is our next candidate up out of Boston College. Six foot three, 294 pounds. If you're a longtime listener of this show, you know I love long term starters on the offensive line. And he has 37 career starts for Boston College. Guys who are long-term starters tend to be the player that they're going to be already. And I think that is a good thing on the offensive line. I am much less interested in projects and projections on the offensive line. I want guys that are pretty much going to become a a slightly better version of what they already are in the NFL. Sure, there are some long-term development stories that are great. Uh, uh, T.J. Lang is a good example of that. The Packers wanted him at tackle to start. He had a real legitimate battle uh, for one of the tackle spots with Brian Bulaga, early in Bulaga's career. Uh, Lang ends up at, at guard and and really grows into the role over time and becomes a very, very good guard. You know, we talk about Yash Nyman. He has had some tremendous growth too. They, I think, are the exceptions to the rule. Generally, you want guys who are are basically pretty close to finished products already. Uh, Move in ready, maybe you say. Uh, you, you're going to have to do some, some maybe some small tweaks, but you want guys where you can see pretty much how it's going to be from the, from the get-go. And a guy who has started a whole bunch of games already tends to fit that mold. Dane Brugler uh, had this interesting line in his write-up on Lindstrom, quote, Lindstrom was a mainstay at center in former offensive coordinator Frank Signetti's zone-based inside-outside scheme, end quote. Two bells should go off there for you as a Packers fan. First zone blocking schemes. You like guys who have that sort of experience already. And Frank Signetti gives the Packers a connection there in that he was their quarterback's coach in 2018. Now things didn't go particularly well when he was in Green Bay, but I don't think you can discount even the the slightest connection. Uh, Guys that have Connections, even however tenuous, tend to filter out to places with which they are connected. And Lindstrom does have some Packers connections, at least one, however tenuous. He is, however, pretty much for sure an inside guy and probably just a center. At 6'3 and 294 pounds, he is on the smaller size, which is funny to say uh, for obvious reasons because neither of those measurements compared to the general population are particularly small. But he kind of reminds me of a Jeff Saturday type, a guy who's a little bit maybe undersized, but gets by on guile, not size. And if you need a cerebral center type, Lindstrom might be your guy. Trending a little bit in the other direction is Cole Strange out of Tennessee Chattanooga. Six foot five, 304 pounds, played both center and guard at times uh, for Tennessee Chattanooga and at the Senior Bowl. He also played in his own blocking scheme at Tennessee Chattanooga, too. And if you talk about cerebral center types, he has, well, he's got quite an academic background, a psychology degree already, working towards a master's degree in engineering management. However, he is going to have to make a pretty big jump into the NFL. This is a pretty small nitpicky sort of thing, but the, the level of competition jump that he faced at Tennessee Chattanooga going to the NFL is going to be a significant change. It's been done before. It happens all the time. But just making a note of it. He reminds me a little bit of Josh Myers, actually. Taller center, but athletic, zone background, can do it all. And maybe if you're looking for another option on the interior offensive line, you take Mr. Strange, Doctor Strange, if he gets the doctorate in psychology eventually, and um you just let him and Myers figure it out between the two of them. Somebody's gonna be guard, somebody's gonna be center. We're going to try both of you at both spots and see what we like better. Could be an option there. Cade Mays is another versatile option, really at both center and guard and tackle. Six foot five, 321 pounds, another bigger guy, true size prospect there. And he started gar- games at right guard and left guard and right tackle and left tackle for the Volunteers and also made a brief appearance at center, too. I don't think there's anything really to dislike about Mr. Mays. Anything you dislike at this point probably comes down to scouting preferences on film. And if you look, want to look for offensive line film takes, I am, I'm not your guy. There may be very legitimate criticisms about his game. I, I couldn't tell you because I don't watch a ton of film on offensive line prospects. He reminds me a little bit, just story to this point-wise, of Josh Sitton a guy who was versatile already in college, and you hope to project that a little bit to the NFL. Given his experience, I think you probably slot him in on the inside, maybe right guard, but it looks like he's got the size and ability to play just about anywhere. So maybe he ends up just being one of those Packers super backups who can play anywhere and do anything. A guy who played at a pretty big school and played a lot of positions there. Hard to bet against. Zach Tom is our next discussion point out of Wake Forest, six foot four, two hundred and ninety-seven pounds, a little bit on the light side. He has experience at center and tackle in his college days. He too is probably heading inside like a couple of these other smaller guys we've talked to. At 297 pounds and six feet four inches, you're almost gonna have to. He again reminds me of JC Treder, though, with that athletic background, a little bit on the lighter side for a tackle maybe you look for a guy who's just got the athleticism and can slot in at one of your guard spots and and you figure it out from there. Logan Bruss is our next prospect. Six foot five, 319 pounds out of Wisconsin. Wisconsin offensive linemen always a little bit like a a Honda Accord. Rarely flashy, but they'll get you where you need to go and they're going to run forever. He's not really exceptional at anything. He's had a few injuries Play strength is said to be a problem, um, but if you're taking a day three pick, using a day three pick on Brush fifth, sixth round pick, you're probably getting a pretty solid prospect. He reminds me a little bit more of Don Barclay than a guy like J.C. Treader. He's a little bit bigger. One of those, I hate to use the term because all these guys are in better shape than I am, but a bad body guy. He doesn't There are different kinds of of linemen in the NFL. There are guys who are 300-some pounds because they're just big dudes, and there are other guys that may be a little bit doughy because they got to add weight to get up to over 300 pounds. Your mileage may vary on what you think Bruss is, but he's been described as a bad body sort of guy. But he gets the job done, and uh, he may end up, like Barclay, being a guy who can play guard and then bump out to tackle if need be, then the other way around, that guy who's going to play tackle and then bump inside Uh, as you need him. Second to last guy here is Luke Wattenberg. And I jumped over him earlier, meant to do him before Brust, but there's not a whole ton to say about him. He's very similar to Zach Tom and some of the other offensive or lighter guys that we've talked about at six foot four and 293 pounds. Probably headed inside where he'll use his athleticism to probably be a plus guard in some sort of zone blocking scheme in the NFL. We're going to finish out with the tall Dawson Deaton out of Texas Tech. Six foot six, 310 pounds, has both center and tackle experience, but six foot six would be very tall for a center. And if you're talking about him heading to the Packers, scheme fit might be an issue. Now, scheme is a bit of an overrated concern when it comes to offensive linemen. If you can play and play a bunch of snaps on the offensive line in college, I think there's a pretty good chance you can get it done in the NFL too. But playing in an air raid scheme I think there is reason to be concerned and that kind of brings it full circle talking about Abraham Lucas up at the top. You know, he, he played in an air type scheme or a pass heavy scheme at, you know, you don't want to get super specific on the actual scheme name, uh, but guys who play in that specific of a scheme may have a bit of a slightly more difficult time projecting to the NFL. He's a lot like Jake Hansen in that he did play a whole ton of snaps in college. But you wonder how good a fit he is. Is he going to need some time to settle in and learn how to do some new things before he's ready to get on the field in the NFL? Other guys who hit the thresholds we didn't talk about for various reasons include Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa, Zion Johnson out of Boston College, Bernard Raymond out of Central Michigan. All three of those guys are are on the high side, so we, we didn't talk about them because chances are the Packers may not be looking to draft a, a prospect that high. But if they're, you know, in the right spot and um, the value is right, maybe they take them. Uh, Zach Thomas out of San Diego State and Cameron Jurgens out of Nebraska, meanwhile, are on the lower end. Uh, certainly would be good day three potential picks for the Packers. They meet the thresholds, uh, but not necessarily guys that really fit the sweet spot for what we're looking for. So there you have it. Some guys who fit pretty well historically with what the Packers are doing. I think five or so of those guys would be really, really good fit. I'm really excited um, about Cade Mays in particular, Cole Strange at of Tennessee Chattanooga, and Zach Tom at a Wake Forest. I don't know if that's the exact order that I would put them in, but I think that's my top three in some order out of those guys. If you draft two of those three guys, you probably get a guy who can help you out on the inside, and another the guy who can help you out on the outside. Versatility is a premium with all three of those guys and can do and they can each do a whole bunch of interesting things. Where exactly the Packers end up putting whoever they draft on the offensive line and they should draft somebody, I think is an interesting question, and it's one we're going to get an answer to here. Gonna be pretty quick, um, as we head towards late April. In the meantime, that's all I've got for you in this episode. I appreciate you tuning in. I would appreciate it even more if you'd take a second and share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it as well. It's gonna help more people. Get involved in this conversation that you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers and that in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans and better Packers fans what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.